Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah and Bean, and welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. This week, we're actually going to be talking about something of a personal great moment for both Bean and I, and it involves the filming of a very, very, very old episode of Bong Appetit. If you knew about Bean and I before you heard this podcast, there's a good chance it was from this show called Bong Appetit, which I hosted and Bean produced for seasons and seasons and seasons until uh, Vice folded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has a happy ending. I <laughs> Yes, the witch dies at the end of this one. (laughs) And the magic on those tapes belongs to us now. And in fact, the entire original web series of Bong Appetit that we did first is on YouTube. This was a really fun and scrappy time. Making a show about food and weed was, as one might imagine... So much fun, a little stressful. But the particular episode we're going to talk about on this week's show is very special to us for a variety of reasons. One, it was our first time filming in the incredible city of Portland, Oregon, where we're going to be doing a live show on September 10th. More on that later. But it was also another very big first and one that I I, I did sort of spring on you. I know, man. Oh, my God. So... Stand-up comedy is a big part of my life at this point. You know what I mean? I I started a little late in life, but, you know, I I have my own show. First Wednesdays at El Cid in Los Angeles. Uh, I perform at other people's shows. It really is an important part of my life. And the very first time that I did stand-up comedy is documented in this episode that is on YouTube. And, in fact, it was a complete surprise. One, David Bean Beanenstock who was producing the episode, of course, was like, tell this guy on camera, have his subject, Ganja John, reveal to him that he is going to be doing stand-up at a stoner comedy club. And this was literally a cannabis club, which was just a bunch of people dabbing. Having done a bunch of weed comedy shows since then, I know how hard it is to actually get laughs out of a stoned crowd, and this was the most stoned crowd Taking glowing seven and eight hundred degree hits <laughs> off of their emails in this fucking cannabis club, man. Oh my god, what an insane time! And it's all on video. Yes, this we're going back to the glowy era mm-hmm. for sure, and we are going to explore that cannabis paradox of the higher the crowd the harder it is to achieve actual breakthrough, audible laughs, and many, many other lessons learned along the way in this episode, all of which we are going to collectively put to good use when, as we said, we are bringing great moments in weed history live back to Portland, Oregon, where it all started on stage for you, my friend. We're going to be at the Helium Comedy Club, which is a premier club. We're honored to be invited there. September 10th, 4.20 p.m. Please come out and get high on history with us. Yeah, we will see you there. September 10th, Helium Comedy Club, Portland. Grab your tickets at the link in the show notes. Now, before we get into it, we just want to give a big, big thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Truly, you allow us to make this show the way that we want to make it. 
and we salute you for helping preserve cannabis history. And if you're a Patreon member watching the video version that you have access to exclusively, you can see literally we are saluting you. Thanks for putting five on it or a little more on it and getting a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot Properly. Thanks for contributing to our weedathon as we inch and inch closer to our goal of 420 patrons. Please help us get there. This is our humble goal to try and get 420 people to contribute to this show, throw down a few bucks and say, we need weed history. And of course, if you don't have the ducats right now, but you still love the show and you want to help us out, just tell your friends about it. Anyone who would be into the show and become another person of the Great Moments in Weed History family, we're shadow banned on every social media platform. They hate weed. They know how much we love it. They won't let us talk about it. So we need you, individual person, to go out there and tell a couple <laughs> homies. Yeah, if you have that feeling like, whoa, I think that the dudes on Great Moments in Weed History are speaking directly to me. Like, I know it's a yeah. show that just goes out to everybody, but I feel like there's a secret yeah. encoded message. It's happening, Brian. <laughs> that worked for, you know, only perhaps a few, maybe just one listener. But, you know, I'm happy with that. Yeah, come on, Weed Brian. <laughs> come on weed brian all right <laughs> <laughs> amazing Alrighty. uh i've got a fucking pod tone filled with fun live rosin here ready to go for this episode bean what you got going on i'm going the live rosin route once again with you my friend this is just squishing weed until the best parts of weed come out of it, somehow they figure out how to put it into these pens and it is delicious. And dare I say, the FDA does not approve this message, but nutritious. I would say yeah, it is yeah, both yeah. both of those things. Whatever you've got ready to roll or otherwise, we're just going to start the show right now. No chance. Here we go. And uh, oh, all right. If you're not ready, you really should be. But if you're not, as you know, the option remains. You can hit pause right now. You can squeeze some weed as hard as you possibly can with your bare hands. See what comes out of it. Try to stuff it into like a pen cap and, and vaporize it over the stove. Or you could do the sensible thing like we have. Get yourself a pod toner. Of course, you can roll one up. You can split a blunt. You can pack a bong. You can endabulate a dab any way you'd like. No matter what you choose, when you are ready, we'll be ready for another great, great moment, moment in weed, weed history. We've set up some incredible elements to this story. Our humble weed show, Bong Appetit, is going to one of the weediest places in the world, Portland, Oregon, and we are hooked up with a gentleman named Ganja John. I mean, this is all very, very <laughs> on brand for us.
Our journey today begins in Oregon farm country, and I'm here to hang out with a Portland weed legend named Ganja John, who's an award-winning hash maker, and he's promised to get me really stoned, feed me all kinds of good food, and then show me something that I've never seen before. I can't imagine what it is, but I can't wait to see. Let's do it! Ganja John, I mean, was such a pro right from the start. This is a guy whose Instagram handle for a long time was I don't make hash. You know, in the in the the sort of gray area days, but it was like I just like fell right into this hangout with this guy, Ganja John. We started taking dabs off of quartz troughs, which was the style at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what you may not have known that I knew was Ganja John's legend is not just as a, an award-winning hash maker of the gray market era and a true artist of that form, but really, even before that, he was known for being the guy backstage at comedy clubs in Portland who, if he saw your comedy act and you were a traveling uh, stand-up and he thought you had the goods or you made him laugh or you just needed a little more weed in your life, would drop uh, allegedly ounces on traveling comedians. Wow. Gave a lot of comedians their first ever experience dabbing. So obviously Amazing. that would make you quite a beloved figure. And of course, a grow light went off over my head when I thought, well, this guy knows everybody in the local Portland stand-up scene. He is a guy literally named Ganja John. I think I see where we can take this story. The episode starts off with me and Ganja John in the middle of a coughing fit. And of course, uh, I think you should know that Bean and Stock was dabbing with us the whole time. Nobody stopped him from doing this ever. He was very authoritative and be like, all right, I need to test this weed out. <laughs> you know what I mean? But... That show was a lot of like, I mean, just us dicking around and like, you know, waking up early, smoking weed before breakfast and like rolling to the place. I mean, of course, it was a lot of work. You know what I mean? You guys set up these like really elaborate um, and very enjoyable, you know, little adventures for me. And I'm just like so thankful for that experience because truly it's like I didn't see it coming every time. They did such a good job of keeping me in the dark. And so... Ganja John was making shatter, right? So this was the style at the time. And he was using product from local Portland farms that we also got to visit. So we really got the experience of seeing cannabis on the plant, right? Meeting the person who grows it and finding out how that gets from there to someone like Ganja John and how it becomes cannabis concentrate which at the time was the highest quality shit shatter isn't something that people go for these days you know of course we're in like the rosin age we're in the live rosin age of cannabis that's sort of the top shelf stuff but back then it really was all about the shatter yeah not to shatter anybody's oh, oh that's terrible i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna walk back that pun <laughs> but it was amazing because, you know, we were, this was, of course, also a food and weed show. So we had a local chef, Leather Stores, who was making incredible sort of sauces and condiments out of weed from this farm while Ganja John was turning them into concentrates. We went to his, uh, I would say, dab lab is probably what you would have to call it, mm -hmm. where he was employing his trade. 
as a hash maker in ways that may or may not have been licensed. That was not a question we asked on Bong Appetit very often. Is this legal? Uh, and <laughs> I think we let him get about four dabs into you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Before we uh, sprung our next step in this Portland weed journey on you. I think we can only really do this justice by going to the clip. So what do you do for fun in Portland? I think I actually have something lined up for you. Um, We're gonna go to a comedy show and we're gonna do some dabs at that comedy show. And I think we're gonna put you on the bill. I think we're gonna have you try your hand at stand-up comedy if that's cool. Oh, really? (laughs) So that's actually the first I've heard of that. that. Yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> now that was good. Well played. Yeah, man, that that's a real reaction right there. The way that you know that's not staged is that I'm not like, oh, you guys got me. <laughs> it's like genuine dread. You know what I mean? Because it is a really scary thing. It's funny seeing that too, because now I get on stage all the time. It still sort of gets you. You know, it's like I still get a tiny bit of that feeling where you're like, you're heart rate raises a little you like kind of kind of breathing you know what i mean and uh you get up there and it's sort of you release it in a way right but i had never done stand up before right so i didn't know about the release that, that happens <laughs> when you tell the joke so it was just the dread and i also you know i've always prided myself on being a host who's like down for anything I'll eat anything. I'll do anything. You know, I always did crazy shit on camera. Some of the craziest stuff I've done has not even made it onto the air. You know what I mean? But I'm always just down, you know, like that's and and I, I loved being that way because, you know, it was just more fun. So, you know, really in that moment, that was a test of that sort of ethos that I, that, that I try to carry because it's like you said you're down for anything. And when you said that, you meant like, oh, I'll eat like a goat eyeball or I'll you know what I mean? Like uh wear this insane outfit or whatever it might be right but this was a very like deep thing doing stand-up is extremely vulnerable you get up there it's just you and the crowd you have to be so comfortable with yourself you know what i mean which at the time i mean this is like almost a decade ago at this point um i wasn't as comfortable with myself then as i am now you know what i mean there was a little bit more pressure again in in this situation (laughs) i was nervous well, we should talk about that fear because because when people are polled about what they are most afraid of, public speaking will come up above death mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. And that includes like, uh, hello, welcome to the Greater Northwest Kansas Insurance Salesman Awards <laughs> show. I'm Bill. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, no. Uh, promise to the audience that you are going to make them laugh or anything so Mm -hmm. and and that will terrify people never mind having to get up and deliver on the promise of comedy i can just say from my personal life that is a dream that i nurtured inside for so many years and was never able to break through uh that barrier and put myself out there Mm -hmm. in that way i have since tried it a couple of times yeah i was gonna say as i understand bean you've since broken the seal (laughs) yeah and i gotta say i most enjoy doing the show live with you i feel like you know it's a lot easier first of all to have uh, our partnership comedically up there to have that mutual support Mm -hmm. uh it's great to have the show 
and the story to fall back on. And usually we're performing for an audience of people who, you know, chose specifically to be there as mm-hmm. you can choose specifically to be there. September 10th in Portland, Oregon. Uh <laughs> Going up in front of a bunch of strangers who don't necessarily know who you are in advance and saying, I'm going to just start at zero and make you laugh is is, is a completely other uh, proposition. I, I just uh, great admiration for, first of all, that you, you know, and, and, and anyone watching or hearing that clip can see the moment where you're like, ah. <laughs> and then, of course, saying like, yeah, fuck yeah, of course we're going to do this. And then to see you develop it as a skill and as a passion. Um from there now many years down the road is 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 really cool and very gratifying and so kind of take us now we went to a place called the northwest cannabis club r.i.p oh i i gotta say i'm sorry I, I have to i have to jump in they'll be like this guy's a dick bean thank you so much that really means a lot to me and you know i appreciate you throwing me in the deep end of the pool because i don't know if uh, my stand-up excursion in life would have been the same without it you know what i mean and it is it's truly one of the great joys of my life so i really appreciate that oh of course man uh only a total dick would say thanks after (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna be like he was just silent after that (laughs) he nodded his head folks very very patreon patreon knows uh um all right, so take us uh, take us with you there. We went to a place called the Northwest Cannabis Club, RIP, Rest in Plants. It is no longer uh, with us, but this was one of the earliest cannabis lounges, social use environments, places where you could go and consume cannabis. They had a regular comedy night, and we were able to get you in on a bill and get you uh, some time with a local comedian to hone your act. Hey. Abdullah, this is my friend Todd, hosted hey, tonight's up? show. Nice Pleasure. to meet you, man. Same. So Todd, you're a comedian, huh? Yes, sir. Have you had like a stoned audience before? Yeah, it's it's fun, but it's well harder to make a stoned audience laugh than to make a drunk audience laugh. <laughs> yeah, man, I can imagine. And so we're sitting around, right? We're taking dabs and I'm kind of asking him about the ins and outs of doing a show for a stoned audience, which is crazy because that's something I do all the time now. And just everything he says is so accurate. Looking back, I was like, this guy really gave me a very good primer on how to perform for a weed audience or just what you're going to run into and shouldn't be kind of irked by, you know what I mean? Which is that People are slower to laugh. People are not going to laugh as loud. People are not going to have the rolling laugh. You know what I mean? That you get at a drunk comedy show. Pot makes you real empathetic. Real like, oh, dude, I see where you're coming from. And so when you, most joke, most drunks will laugh and joke. Like, yeah, that's funny. You know, that person fell down the stairs. Pothead's like, oh my God, how many steps was it? Is the person okay? <laughs> it's like, you know, investigative with empathy. And so you have to think that out sometimes. That's Are people slower to laugh? Yeah. When they're stoned, yeah? yeah. Do you have to be stoned to write jokes for a stoned audience? Oh, I never thought of it that way. I'm just always stoned, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he really did kind of make it sound scary. You know what I mean? Because he was like, there's going to be a lot of silence. Of course, you know, the thing you realize is that people who are dabbing also are like, they are busy. Their hands are busy. Their mouths are busy. You know what I mean? So keeping people's attention is really, really difficult. Thankfully, 
I had a very fastidious co-writer, Bean, who presented me with a full set, basically. I mean, all I had to do was really fill in the gap, sort of like a Mad Lib or something, you know what I mean? But Bean really had a bunch of weed jokes ready, and some of those jokes you may or may not have heard at various times dropped in, repurposed, and, uh, you know, uh, spoken on great moments in weed history, in fact. Yeah, this is our sort of, there's a communal shared Google file with a few jokes in it that we have passed back and forth like so many doobies. I got to give a little shout out to Yakov Smirnov, the great comedian (laughs) whose uh, Russian reversal technique was was definitely used in this joke. You guys are so chill. And uh, you've got such like abundant weed, man. Like over here, I went into a dispensary. 37 strains. I had 37 strains to choose from, 37 options. In New York, my dealer gives me two options. Take it or leave it, right? It's like, this is, what do you have today? Weed. That guy doesn't get enough shout-outs, you know? (laughs) One more shout-out, Yagov Smirnov. I know just trying to keep up with Russian politics has probably done a number on your act, but... uh... You know, since Soviet Union broke up, people say I have nothing to joke about. Well, I say, there's always Albania. (laughs) What a union of democratic republics. What an incredible sovereignty of states. What a confederacy of independent nations. What a crazy independent nation of union of socialist republics that are together in a federation of craziness that is all free. (laughs) <laughs> I love this country. <laughs> you stink. I want to go back to Soviet Union the way it was when we were all oppressed. Get and I would not... Why don't you get off stage? I can be funny even if Soviet Union is no more. I am cold. I am frightened. What will the new world order bring for Yaakov? <laughs> we salute you. Yeah. Uh, in Russia, s- election interferes with <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> too real. Too real to be funny now. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right. And then comes the announcement. All that. 24 hours of preparation time that you had, the consultation (laughs) with a weed comedian, it all comes down to this moment. You are announced and take us with you up on stage. The guy announces me. He's the first person to mispronounce my last name in a way that almost every host who has brought me up since has done, which (laughs) is uh, adding an H into my last name, Saheed. Which is forgivable, you know, because I, I do understand that it's like vowels on vowels. You know what I mean? It's kind of confusing, Saeed. I'm rocking 11 letters, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, seriously. Yeah. You're going to get lost in there somewhere. And you have all kinds of, con- it's like consonant and vowel mayhem. You know what I mean? The Beanstalk last name is really, there's a lot going on. It's got half the alphabet in it. Well, uh, back in the day, my family were were vowel peddlers on the Lower East Side. <laughs> that was when Im- immigrants, uh, you know, they had to find jobs that no one else wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we were the first family who pushed to make a Y, a vowel. That was our competitive advantage. 
That didn't come really, easy. It opened up the market a lot. You know, some would say by like twenty five percent. You know, twenty percent really blew things up. Hey, E I O U Y. But yeah, so um, basically, I got on stage right and. I got to say, looking at myself with a critical eye now and watching the video, actually, my delivery was pretty solid. I, I, I would say, you know, it's like I, I got up there and I was like, man, you guys got a lot of weed up here. And, you know, my only two options were take it or leave it, which is a simple, easy joke to roll in with and definitely one that's good for a weed audience. Basically, these people were dabbing the entire time. So there was also like a constant flow of ganja dab vape you know what i mean just like fucking floating onto the stage and i was popped as fuck too i mean come on we were smoking weed like all day but in the end i think after that first joke right i got comfortable and i got okay with the fact that people weren't necessarily gonna laugh they might just chuckle a little bit you know you might just mostly just hear them smoking and that that was okay you know what i mean that a weed audience is probably satisfied if it's still there, you know what I mean? If they didn't like it, they would probably just fucking get up and go outside, right? But I enjoyed it. I got a little round of applause. People were very kind. And, you know, it it was also like, it's Portland. You know what I mean? It's not like you're in like Jersey City and you're gonna get fucking heckled by strangers, right? It was basically good vibes. Take off your top! Yeah, I know, right? I was, I did have to take (laughs) off my top at one point. You got to give the crowd what they ask for. And I think from, you know, I was watching in the back of the room. I was with a sort of bong appetite team, you know, keeping an eye a little bit on the camera angle, but really trying, you know, to immerse in the moment. And I feel like, you know, there were some jokes that landed really hard, some jokes that got, as you said, a chuckle. But I can really remember the moment where just sort of your body language changed and you, as you said, got comfortable up on the stage and everything in the room changes. You know, it's it's when when people talk about it taking years to hone that craft of stand up. It's not just about writing jokes and it's not about telling jokes. It's about making everyone in that room feel comfortable in that journey. And I think that your experience as a host, your experience that I know you have as a musician, all of that sort of stage time and entertainment time came together. And, you know, I I really did think when you came off the stage, this is not going to be the last time that dude's going to want to do it. It looked like you had a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so much, Bean. And thanks for throwing me in the deep end, too. You know, like none of that would have ever happened if you hadn't come up with it. Special shout out to Tracy Wares, uh, Bean's co-producer on the show and a good friend of the podcast. Just a a true homie uh, and a really fun weed producer who did a great job on that show. Uh, And everybody who's ever, you know, worked with us on the original Bong Appetit series. I mean, that was like, those were really like the road days of Bong Appetit. You know what I mean? It was, it was absolutely incredible. And yeah, man. It really was so cool to rewatch that after so many years and be like, oh my God, the first time I was on stage was actually captured. It wasn't until a couple years later that I started doing stand up, you know, officially. Of course, I was hosting and, you know, podcasting and doing all kinds of other stuff, still playing music and all that. Uh, but, you know, once I did, when I, when I came to LA, I did a storytelling show 
that happened to have Eric Andre as the headliner. And he saw me do my story and I got a bunch of laughs. And after that, he sort of offhand was like, hey, man, that was pretty funny. Do you do stand up? And I was like, no. And he was like, you should try. And I, I took that as gospel. and I fucking started doing it like and then it, it really became a big part of my life. And of course, I do think that it's helped me in my podcasting and in my hosting and in my writing. And you know what, Bean? I I know you've started. I know you've broken the seal, but I encourage you to do it more. You know why? Because I learned starting stand-up late in life, right, in my 30s, that it's never too late to start doing stand-up, right? And, uh, you know, my, my 30th birthday is coming up in a few years, so maybe <laughs> I will wait until I'm in my 30s to get started. No, uh, And I, I will say, to anyone listening to this, you meet a lot of people. Of course, if you tell them you do anything even adjacently related to humor, you will hear from people, oh, I've always dreamed of trying that. Well, this is what I can tell you. Go try it. Don't tell anybody. If you don't want to, or maybe tell one person who you would find uh, comforting to be with you, uh, but not so judgmental if you if you crash and burn in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a good first date unless definitely you, not you, unless you you're burning be, it. <laughs> yeah, you have to be really solid with your significant other for them to see you for the first time. I'm pretty sure that the first time Ali saw me do stand up was kind of a test because if I was just like not fucking funny, I don't think our relationship would have lasted, man. She's an actor and a, and a comedy person. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So don't do it on a first date. If you're going to have your date see you do stand up, make sure you know that it's going to be solid, that it's like the best possible circumstances. Yeah. And just try to find a good local open mic and go into it. You know, I think a lot of people, of course, it's their dream to be a professional comedian or to be a, uh, you know, successful comedian. But if your dream is really to try this, it is an incredibly low barrier to entry. You know, no matter where you live, pretty much there's going to be an open mic or several near you. Try to figure out which is the good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you can sign up and for five minutes you can, uh, you know, no matter how bad it goes in five minutes it will be over and if you get even one laugh i think that thing that you wanted to explore about yourself will be satisfied maybe in a way that makes you want to do it more maybe in a way that makes you say wow i had an experience um but don't deny yourself that just simply to avoid the the risk of embarrassment and and, you know speaking as somebody who's been perpetually embarrassed (laughs) since the late 1970s it's not that big of a deal (laughs) yeah no absolutely and If you like it, you'll love it. If you don't, you'll be like, at least I tried that one time. You know, I think in life we we all go through it being like, oh, that's something I'd like to do. I'd love to do that someday. Just go out and do it. Break that seal. You know, doing something that you didn't think you could do really boosts your confidence, you know, and it makes you feel good about yourself. So it's worth it. Even if you get up there and bomb, you're going to be totally fine. One last little piece of advice, if you're going to start doing stand-up, get up and do it for the first time, write down a couple of your jokes. Don't be like, oh, this is a funny idea or conversation I have with my friend. Let me try to recreate it on stage. Just actually try to write a couple of simple jokes, you know, set up, punchline, and say them. Say them out loud. See how it sounds in your voice? Trust me, 
you will get a laugh with kind of lamer and cornier shit than you think you would. And it's a bit of a hacky premise setup, but don't be afraid. I got choked up. But don't be afraid to get all your stuffed animals together in a little semicircle and recreate an audience and do your act for them. And the amount of weed that you want to smoke before trying stand-up for the first time is solidly somewhere between none and all. Okay? (laughs) You don't want to be as stoned as you possibly can get. And I think a couple puffs for courage and inspiration will go a long way. I really enjoyed reliving this incredible, great moment that we both shared. I think we're going to go out with a little uh, clip sesh of some of your current stand-up. We got a great show. I'm very excited for our next uh, guest. He is the host of Bon Appetit and one of the many people on high maintenance. Please give it up for Abdullah Saeed. So, you know what's been uh, bothering me a little bit, but not really bothering me, but I noticed it and I thought it was weird. You know the actress Glenn Close, right? Yeah. Uh, Her first name is Glenn. (laughs) What? She has the same first name as like a New England Patriots fan? (laughs) It's very strange. I used to live in New York City. Did anyone else here live in New York City? Ever? Life was quite a bit different for me there. I, uh, you know, Uber was a big part of my life, of course. I see how you're looking at me. I'm not the Uber driver who drove you over here, so. (laughs) No, I was a passenger. I was an Uber passenger, just like everybody else. Uh, But it actually, it, it started to become a little bit difficult for me. I had to call Uber and have them change my name in the app, all right? My name is Abdullah Saeed, right? I don't know what reason you're thinking that I would you know, have to do that, but really it's because most of the Uber drivers in New York are Muslims. And I'm also Muslim, but I'm a very bad Muslim, right? Are there any Muslims here in the crowd tonight? No? Fucking perfect. <laughs> I can do the rest of this bit. Here's why. Okay, so when two Muslims run into each other in the wild, yeah, they like to play a game called the Muslim off, right? It's a battle to see who is more Muslim, right? And it's a battle that I will definitely lose, right? Here's how it would go. So I'd be sitting in my apartment, which was, you know, the size of this rug up here, and I'd call an Uber, right? around. Ding! Who's my driver? Muhammad Akbar. Fuck! We're off to a very bad start. This is going to be my companion in life for the next 20 minutes. You know, I'm like, oh no. He's going to want to play, you know? (laughs) So, I, uh, you know, go downstairs and I get in the back of his car. Already, you know, I can see his thick, expressive Muslim eyebrows in the rearview mirror, you know? Right now, they're like this. They're curious. You know, he's seen my name on the app. He knows what's up. So, I can see his little doily hat, the Islamica. Anyone? 
Islamica. Um, thank you. And, you know, he, he starts it off, you know. He looks at me in the rear view. He says, Abdullah, huh? Oh, fuck. He pronounced it all correctly and shit. This guy's good at Muslim off, you know? I'm like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? And he fires off the second round. Are you fasting, Abdullah? I'm like, oh shit, it's Ramadan already? Fuck! <laughs> Fucking lunar calendar. I miss it every year. Who uses it, you know? I'm sitting back here sucking sausage meat out of my back teeth. <laughs> Muhammad Akbar hasn't eaten since dawn. I know the Muslim specific stuff is not going to play that well here, obviously. So, I'm a Muslim. God forbid I have a white girl with me when this shit's going down. Showing up to a Muslim off with a white girl is like showing up to a knife fight wearing a t-shirt that says, I prefer spoons. <laughs> Just giving yourself a look, you know? <laughs> Especially because, like, you know, if you're in an Uber and it's the end of the night, this is the moment when you're going to make your move, you know? This is the moment when you're going to, like, initiate that uh, next level, you know? And, like, Stephanie is down. You know But I can't do anything about it because the man who she now thinks is my father, <laughs> Muhammad Upper, is staring at us in the rearview mirror. His eyebrows are like this now. The angle is completely the other way. You know? She's like, what's wrong with this guy, you know? And I'm just saying shit at this point. I'm like, school was good today, right, Stephanie? Why am I trying to impress this man? So I had it. I, I fixed this problem for myself. I contacted Uber. I had them change my name in the app. So now, when Muhammad Akbar pulls out in front of my house. I go downstairs, I, I get in his car, and he reads my name off the app. Antonio Gonzalez? I'm like, hola, amigo. Let's go to the liquor store. Not too much talking, all right? All right, guys. That's it for me. My name's Abdullah Saeed. You can find me every first Wednesday with my homie Josh Savage at The Lit Show, which is on the patio at El Cid on Sunset. It's an outdoor show. You can dab and smoke and drink and eat the whole time throughout the entire show. And we've had amazing comedians at our show. I mean, we've had Reggie Watts. We've had Paul Downs from Hacked multiple times. We've had Byron Bowers. Uh, the list just goes on and on and on. It's a really good time. Come through. Come through the patio at El Cid any first Wednesday. Bean, you still got to come to one. I know Wednesday's like a weird day, you know, to be in L.A. if you live out of town. But one of these days, we're going to get you up there for a few minutes. It is a 14-hour round trip. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, I cannot wait to check it out. And, of course, don't forget, you probably might have forgotten, if 
you are in the Portland, Oregon area, please come out and see great moments in weed history live. It is an ice capades type show. There's skating, there's singing, there's dancing. We're going to do, I think, 15 to 20 costume changes throughout the night. I'm going to (laughs) play Abraham Lincoln getting high while he uh, writes the Gettysburg Address. I know that you are going to do... uh, 20 different characters. Uh, yeah. I took this one a little too I'm gonna long. I'm going to do South Pacific, <laughs> and I'm going to play all the characters. Actually. Yes, yeah. it is a 43-hour-long show. It mm-hmm. begins on September 10th at 4.20 p.m. at the Helium Comedy Club. You can get tickets through a link in the show notes or just you know how to use Google. You're clever people. Please come get high on history with us, and we'll see you next weed for another episode on Weedness Day. Bye! Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening, and if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com, and that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.